Ray, whoo, my soul. What an amazing weekend that was. Two weeks ago, baptism weekend. You guys always do an unbelievable job at inviting people. This is an inviting and a bringing church, and God is using it in radical ways that more and more people are, are meeting him, more and more people are being saved, and there are baptisms at every campus following up. So we had 88 that weekend, but it's over 100 now, and it's just going to keep, we're at, we baptized now like 5,100 uh, since we formed. <clears throat> Last year was our all-time record was 610, and we're at 720 or 30 or somewhere this year. So with almost another quarter to go, we're grateful to God for all that he's doing. Uh, last weekend, uh, I was gone. About 50 of us went to Israel. It was absolutely life-changing, unbelievable I've got another trip coming uh, in March of 17, and you'll be hearing more about that if you want to go. It was just, it was off the chart. But uh, I got up early this morning because my days and, you know, just my days and nights are not back squared and watched last weekend. Did last weekend rock or what? That was an unbelievable, unbelievable uh, message and just wow. It was, it was, I mean, even, even though Mike is my son, that, it didn't matter who preached that. It was, it was amazing. And so uh, God is doing some great things. Uh, before I dive in the word, just a couple other just, you know, precursors. Uh, you know, we're getting ready. Next weekend starts Heart for the Harvest, right? And if you don't know what that is, that's okay. You'll find it next weekend. But one of the things I've noticed in the last few years that the church has started doing is that the last few weekends before Heart for the Harvest, you quit giving, yeah, it's not funny. And, uh, and, and you quit giving, and then you give it in heart for the harvest. But you don't know this, but the theme for this year's heart for harvest is sacrifice. And to not give your tithes and offerings and hold those and then give them in a special offering, that, by the way, that's, that's not sacrificial, Right? Right, because, well, I'm just not going to give for a month. And, and what happens is, you know, by the time Heart for the Harvest comes, we're a couple hundred thousand dollars behind budget, and it messes everything up. So we're going to be talking next weekend when we launch, we'll talk about sacrifice, but we need to be faithful every week. Amen? We need to be faithful to the Lord financially. And so, man, I want to challenge you. Don't, don't, don't hoard your tithes and then give it and then say, hey, you know, wow, I'm sacrificing. No, you always give that amount. So that's cheating, okay? It's just, it's Christian cheating. So you can't do that. Uh, so let's be faithful, amen? amen. So it's going to be amazing. Uh, again, have, so far as Bulletproof, been a great series. Is that helping y'all as we deal with doubts? It's been off the charts, helped me. You know, we're, we are... God is doing some unique things at our church, and, and, and really, I now come to the point saying it's, it's beyond now God building a church. God's building a movement, and, and people know about Faith Promise all across America and, and outside of America. People are watching, and they are coming to us for help and learning, and if you've been around a long time, the founders, one of the, the visions of this church when it was founded was to be a teaching church, was to be a church that helped other churches. And we are helping churches across America, and it's really cool. So let's be faithful. Let's show the church in America what God can do when a church is sold out to Jesus. Amen? Let's just do it. Let's, man, let us do it. So this is the third weekend of Bulletproof. 
Now, there is no way to alleviate, deal with, face off, you know, list out, and, and, and walk through every doubt that anyone has. And one of the reasons you can't do that is because doubt is an emotion. And so, man, we all have emotions, right? And, and emotions come and they go. So we can't deal with everyone. But what we really, what I want to finish this, this series up with, that I believe it's a revelation that's going to help you radically, is that we, we want to learn to think and we will learn to deal with doubts. You know, if you're raising your kids, one of the best things you can do for your, your kids is teach them to think. Are, you, are y'all with me? Teach them to think for themselves because when they're away from you, they need to learn how to make decisions. They need to learn. And so we need to learn as believers how to think, how to deal with doubts. Because, again, doubts come and go like the surf and the waves because it's an emo- their emotions. And faith, pl- faith promise is a safe place to deal with doubts. It's a place where we can come and talk about them. It's a place where, where we can get questions answered. Uh, that typically happens, by the way, in small group. If you're not in small group, it's going to be harder if you have an outlet to ask, ask questions. A small group leader can't. That moats up to the coach. If they can't, it rolls all the way up and, uh, until we do our best to get an answer. So it's a safe place. It's, it's a place to come to your questions. And God is not worried about your questions. God's not threatened by your doubts. Last weekend, and Jesus never hammered Thomas when Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it until I put my fist in his side. Jesus said, look, come. Hey, you don't have doubt anymore, Thomas. Look, come and believe. And, and, and he said, blessed are you because you've seen and believe, but more blessed are those that have not seen and yet believe. And he was talking about y'all. Amen. He was talking about us. Jesus was when he did that. So, God is not afraid of questions. The church has been afraid of questions. And so the church has slammed the door and we've acted. We just dealt with doubt in, in horrible ways. It, it's terrible. I don't understand why we've done that. We, it's, there's a reason that people in America say the church is hypocrites. Because hypocrite is to wear multiple faces. And we come to church and we put a face on instead of saying, hey, help me understand. But, and let me tell you one of the reasons that, that we had to get this. If you don't deal with your doubts, if you don't face them, get answers, then it will, it will radically impede your spiritual growth. It will, it will hinder the hand of God. It will slow you down, and it will block you from being and getting where God wants you. So as Christ followers, for us, life is heaven practice. And, it, it, there's, and we only get one run at this, right? And so that's what we're doing. So I want to, again, the Lord began to put some stuff together in my mind as I was working on this message. And, and I want to show you how you can tell that people are not saved. And then it's, and so we learned it's not the way that we're supposed to think. So this is Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 through 20. And then we're going to lock in in Psalms chapter 73. Paul said, for many of whom... Whom often I often told you, and now tell you weeping, that they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, so they're lost people, right? People far from God. Are you with me? So let me tell you about people that are far from God. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their what? Whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on what? Earthly things. You have to get that. See, when you have an earthly focus, you will always deal with doubts. When you're looking up, there are no doubts. When you look out, there are doubts. 
At any time, it's, it's going to be, it's why I wanted to bring this out. For our citizenship is where? Man, your passport's stamped heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so people of the world, people who are not born again, their appetite man, is what drives them, and they are, have an earthly focus, not a heavenly focus, an earthly focus. And if you've got a faulty focus on the here and now, it's going to create doubts. And, and let's be real. Most people at church this weekend, and even at all of our campuses this weekend, Faith Promise, most people's focus is here and now, not there and then. Is that fair? Here and now. I mean, I got bills, and I got job, and I got kids, and I got all the stuff I got to deal with. And so it takes our focus off heaven. Even though the book of Colossians says, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. We're warned over and over and over that our focus is to be on the Father, and yet we end up having our focus on here, Right? It just, it sucks us in. And, and so let me give you what our theme verse is, Jude 22, because we don't hammer people that doubt. Have mercy on those who are doubting. Help those with the power of the Holy Spirit. Show compassion. Give them aid. Walk with them. And so at Faith Promise, we're raw and real, right? That we just deal, man, with where people really live and where they really are. And, and, and so, again, if you focus on here and now, then you can, you can plan on having doubts always. Now, let me give you a, a, a difficult illustration. I really wrestle back and forth with, with using this, but I'm, I'm going to. Michelle and I were uh, visiting missionaries this past summer, and we were in London, and we were in the Walmart of London. This wasn't Walmart, but it was like Walmart, and I was itching all over and trying to get out. But when Michelle goes shopping, she has this endurance, like a triathlete. And so I'm, I'm waiting and waiting, and, and, and really I was praying for Larry Petrowski, my glorious husband, because I was getting regular updates on my phone that he had taken a serious turn for the worse. Wasn't planned. We didn't know that was going to happen, and we were praying. And, and I'm standing in the store, just standing there, minding my business, and I got a text. And I opened my phone up, and it said, thanks for praying. You don't need to pray anymore for Dad. God has healed him. He's in heaven. And I, I really would be hard to express the emotions. I was trying not to cry as I stood in the middle of the store, trying to figure my stomach started hurting. I was trying not to throw up, and I, 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 I didn't understand. Now, that is, that is extreme faith on Justin, his son, who was just leading worship at our Pelissippi campus. He said, hey, God has healed faith. God has healed my dad. He's healed perfectly. He's with Jesus. That's extreme. Had Justin's focus been on the here and now, then the next sentence would have been why? Why didn't, why, my, dad was a, my dad was a good man. My dad loved God. My dad was faithful, had been faithful for decades. Why did, you know, why did Lance Armstrong, he had cancer. Why did he live and get, he, why, why did, you know, when he was cancer-free and somebody said, did God do it? He said, God doesn't get any glory. I do this all myself. And, and he's still living, cheating. He's still living. And, and Larry is gone. See, if you look at the here and now, it will always raise doubts. Does that make sense? 
And it's why we struggle with doubt so much because it's here and now. But when we have a heavenly focus like Justin, hey, thanks for praying. God has completely healed my dad. He's with Jesus. See, that's a heavenly focus. That's an eternal focus. That's a focus believing the word of God. And so, you know, we were preparing for this series and if you're with us in the Bible reading plan and if you fell off, get back on, don't catch up, just get back on where we are. And, and a few weeks ago was Psalms 73 and I, it just, in my daily reading, and man, I hit it and I just said, holy moly, this is exactly where we are in the doubt series. And I just felt like the Spirit of God wanted us to deal with this passage of Scripture and, and deal with it. One of the reasons I love it, it's the reason I love the Bible, because the Bible is raw and real. So are y'all ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, so let's look at Psalm 73, starting in verse 1. And it begins with a fact. And then I want to watch you watch where the even though the psalmist, Asaph, which is one of the great worship leaders, David actually put him over the new choirs when they, when they you know, uh, when he got most everything built in Jerusalem, he got these choirs. And this guy wrote many psalms. This guy was a great worship leader. Matter of fact, generation after generation after generation, we'll see his sons and grandsons and great-grandsons leading worship under Hezekiah, the great revivals, Asaph's son. But Asaph is writing this psalm and he said, surely God is what? Good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. So he says, let me tell you what's the fact. God is good. Man, God is good. He's good to Israel. He's good to those that love him. And then he goes on and he puts a big but in verse 2. But. And see, whenever you put but in a sentence, whatever you said before the but doesn't matter. I love you, but. Now, if you say I love you, but the next thing you're about to do is not love me. Does that, does that make sense? I love you, but. So he says, hey, God is good. Surely God is good. And he's good to those that are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to what? My steps had almost slipped. So now, the psalmist begins with a, with a fact that God is good. And then he says, I know that God is good, but man, I got in a real bind. Let's keep going. He said, for I was envious of the arrogant, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You ever looked at rich people who are just absolute heathens and wonder why you struggle and they don't? You ever watch television, the life of the styles of the rich and famous, and watch the, you know, the the movie stars and the rock and roll people and all these people and they've got millions and zillions of dollars and they seem like life is here. And, he's, and they, they, I mean, they're, they're vocally anti-God and yet they, they have everything. Has that ever bothered y'all? So it's an age-old question. But what's happening are, is in the psalmist, doubts are creeping into his heart. For I was envious of the arrogant, I saw the prosperity of the wicked, that there were no pains in their death, and their body is fat. Now, fat means you're rich. Because in those Bible days, not many people were fat. Because they didn't eat enough. And they certainly didn't eat the kind of food that would make you overweight. And so, they are not, they're not in trouble as other men. Nor are they plagued like mankind. And, and let me just put a parenthesis in here. Back before you were born again, the devil didn't have to bother with you. Because you were on his team. 
Does that make sense? But when you changed teams, all hell breaks loose. We should warn people more about that, shouldn't we? When they say, I want to be saved, I'm so glad, and let me lead you to Jesus. But just understand, now the devil's mad. It's about to change. The game's about to change. The rules are about to change up, about to switch up. Because people think, well, I get saved. That means everything's going to be great. (laughs) They haven't been saved long. Therefore, pride is their necklace and the garment of violence covers them. Their eyes bulge from fatness. The imagination of their heart runs riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They they speak from on high like they are smarter, bigger, better than everybody else. They know more. They speak from the high places where the prophets and the seers spoke. Let's keep rolling. They have set their mouth against the heavens. You ever heard people get on television and just bash God, bash the people? You ever heard it? And there's some people that if, if, I, if they come on, I immediately cut them off because they're so anti-God, man. I just can't stand them. They blaspheme and they shake their fists. Their tongue parades through the earth. Therefore, his people return to this place. <clears throat> and the waters of abundance are drawn by them. They have everything. God, it doesn't make sense. They say, how does God know? And is there knowledge of the most high? God doesn't know what's going on. He, he doesn't know what's happening. Behold, these are wicked and these are the wicked, and they are always at ease. They have increased in wealth. And look, look at this right here. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. You ever, you ever said, God, did I do all this for nothing? When everybody else is having sex, and everybody else is partying, and I've kept myself pure, and I'm not, I haven't found anybody to marry yet, when everybody else cheats on their taxes and I do what's right, when everybody else lies and I tell the truth, have I, did, was that all in vain? I've had a lot of people ask me that question. Have you ever heard that? I've just had people ask me that, that I've kept my heart pure, that I've learned the word of God, that I've been faithful, that I've given my tithes, that I've served God. Was it all in vain? Look at what God does. And washed my hands in innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and chastised every morning. So the psalmist is trying, to, is, is trying to figure out what's going on. If I had said, I would speak thus, if I, it's basically, if I would speak this out loud, if I would tell people what I'm thinking, behold, I would betray the generation of your children. I would, I would, have, I would have betrayed, I would have blown it if I would have let anyone know how I was thinking and what I felt. So what we do is we hide doubts. Is that right? We have them, but we don't deal with them. And when you have an outward focus on the here and now, you know, the, the psalmist said, when I, when I pondered, when I thought about, and we're going to read it in just a second, when I thought about what was going on, it was troublesome in my sight. It, it brought about troubles as I was pondering because, see, when you begin to look at the here and now, then you begin to ask questions. You begin to say, why God? Why did this happen? Why? Justin could have, he, listen, the text could have easily not said, God has healed my dad, but why did God take my dad? And I don't understand it. It's not fair. And why? That could have been Justin's focus. His focus could have been right now, I've lost my dad. I, my, everything has changed. What is the deal? It could have, could have, but that's not what he did. Because his focus wasn't on the here and now. 
So we finished the month of miracles. Why didn't I get mine, Pastor? I tithe, I serve. Why didn't I get my miracle? Does God love me? I mean, if you, in the video last week, both of the ladies who had difficult pregnancies both asked, both asked God, what did I do wrong? If you missed last weekend, go online and watch it. It will rock your world. It's unbelievable. Don't miss it. But both the ladies in the story that was told last weekend said, what did I do? And that, so here we, we focus on the now. Does God really love me? Hey, is there really a God? Is he really there? Is this Bible really true? Is all this stuff the real deal? Again, because, you know, is God really here? Is God listening? Because when we have a worldly focus, it begins to bring doubts. When we ponder these things, the psalmist said, it's troublesome in my sight. It was troublesome. And what happens is the devil uses our emotions against us. And the devil dispenses and deals out doubts to all of us. And if our focus is just here and now, if our focus is only what our problems and our pain and what we're dealing with, if that's our only focus, then, then we are easy prey for doubts. Does that make sense? Then, then dispensing doubts becomes an easy and effective tool of the devil to turn us away from God, to hinder us, to impede our spiritual growth, to make us miss our potential and all that God wants to do. Verse 17. So he's asked God all these questions. Then he said this. This was, all, this was so difficult. Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. See, the psalmist is struggling with the, the seemingly easy life of the wicked and the difficult life he has. But where did God dispense and deal with his doubts? In the house of God. When I came to the house of God. And, and see, his focus then wasn't on their easy life. What was his focus on? Eternity. He said, oh, then I perceived their end. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, I see. See, I thought everything was great for them. They are sitting in a difficult spot. Their feet are in slippery places. When we stay in the house of God, when we get planted, let me give you our theme verse for this year. We haven't covered it in a few weeks. In Psalms 92, 12 through 14, the righteous man will flourish. You've got to deal with doubts if you're going to flourish. Like the palm tree. And we, in Israel, we watched those palm trees in the desert. It was unbelievable. And uh, he will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Even when they, they will still yield fruit in old age, they shall be full of sap and very green. We flourish when we're in the house of God. When the psalmist went into the house of God and was worshiping the God of the house, and he began to see what was going on, he began to look at the eternal, not the temporal. So she chose to focus. Even when Jesus was the night he was betrayed, all, the, all that. When, remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? When he began to doubt and say, if there's another way, let this cup pass for me. Because what was his focus on when he was praying in the garden the next few hours? His focus moved from eternity to the cross, to what he, the, 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 the torture and the cross if there's any other way, see, when we take our eyes off and we put them down here and we got them down here, man, it, it's, gonna, it, it's troublesome, as the psalmist said. We've got to keep our focus eternal. See, we can choose to look through a biblical lens 
or we can choose to look through a worldly lens. We can choose to focus up or we can choose to focus out. Does that make sense? Now, again, I know we have to deal with stuff. We have jobs and house notes and cars and problems and sickness and everything. But in the midst of all the mess, in the midst of this wicked world that you and I live in, this world is not our home. We're just passing through here. Our home's in heaven. If you're born again, you check your passport. It's been stamped, sealed, and paid for by the blood of Jesus. You're a citizen of heaven. Citizen. Man, we're just passing through. So don't get too hung up. You ever gone to the, you ever stayed in a hotel and weeded the flower bed? What's this? Have you ever rented a car and washed it? No. Why? Because it's not yours. Unless you broke it and you didn't want them to see it, then you wash it so they won't notice that big scratch you got on the rear end. <laughs> I thought you got away. And so, and why don't we don't listen? We don't paint the hotel room. Why? It's not ours. It's not our home. But we take we do weed the flower bed at home. We do paint. Why? Because it's it's our home. Our home is in heaven. In Psalm in verse twenty one and twenty two of Psalm seventy three, when my heart was embittered. This is why, where we began the message a little while ago. If you don't deal with your doubts, it will cause bitterness in your heart. And because of bitterness, many in the church are undefiled, this is in Hebrews. And, and bitterness will rob you. When my heart was embittered, I was pierced within, the psalmist said. I was struggling. I was, like, I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you, God. I can't believe what I was doing. I can't believe what I was thinking. Man, I, I, and so, again, it's why I love the Bible. It's just raw and real, isn't it? It's just, hey, this is a deal. This is what's going on, man. This is where I am. This is, this is what's happening. Un, undefeated doubts become bitterness. And, and when, we, when we don't defeat our doubts, when it becomes bitterness, Lucifer laughs at us. Doesn't he? Because he loves to deal out doubts. So what do we do? How do we do? Let me give you just this, let me just give you a few a few thoughts. This is just if you're dealing with doubts, first thing, number one, bring them to the house of God. Bring them to the house of God. Stay faithful. Stay planted in the house. Number two, get number two is get planted in the house. Number three, get in the word of God. Number four, get in a small group. Because that's where you're going to get your answers. I should have put number five, go to Israel with the pastor. I uh, really, because man, talk to the people that went. Well, you talk about dispelling and getting rid of some doubts. It was unbelievable. It just was, was I should have put that as number five. Because again, you got to get in a group because here's where you get to ask questions. And if the group leader doesn't know, they go up the ladder until we find somebody that can answer them. And so that's how you get bulletproof. Are y'all with me? It's how we win in this wicked world. It's what God wants to do in verse 23 through 28. Let's wind down this psalm. The psalmist said, nevertheless, I was continually with you, even in my doubts, even when I was struggling, even when I was envious of the wicked, even when I asked the question, did I do all of this for no reason, God? I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. Man, it's all you. Come on, God. Whom have I in heaven but you? See, now that the doubts are dispelled, what's the psalmist doing? Moved into worship. 
moving back into praise. He's moving into celebrating God. Who do I have in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. There is nothing here. I'm so sorry I looked at the wicked. I'm so sorry I looked at those people out there that I see on television, and I'm so sorry that I was envious of their life. I can't believe it. He said, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion for how long? Forever. Come on, man. He is a God worth worshiping. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. I see it now, God. You open my eyes. You've destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my what? It's my good. And I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Now instead of being envious, now I feel, I feel compassion for those that are far from you. Now instead of wishing I had their life, now I wish they had some of my life. Now instead of, instead of asking, did I do everything in vain, now I realize, God, it wasn't in vain. I'm so grateful for what you've done, God. I didn't realize I was like a beast, but even in my doubts, you were there, you walked through, you taught me, you held my hand, you were there with me. See, an eternal perspective dispels the doubts because you cannot flourish if your heart is flush with doubts. Doubts are not evil. God doesn't throttle people with doubts. The deal is we've got to deal with them with integrity, with honesty. Get answers, find somebody. Begin to learn this Bible. Are y'all with me? Man, this is our sword. You've got to know the Word of God. I've, I've never been hungrier for the word than I am after going to Israel. Man, I'm just hungry for more of God and more of the word of God. It just was personal revival for me and pretty much everybody that went. And so with integrity, deal with your doubts, deal with your issues, deal with all that stuff. I mean, just, just deal with it. Find somebody that's, that's, that's got it together a little more than you and that you can ask questions and that you can learn. Does this make sense? Are you out there? Are you breathing? And so, man, it's, it's what God wants us to do. It's where God wants us to go. It's what God wants us to do. So we'll, the psalmist brought his doubts to God and said, God, here's how I feel. Here's how I feel. This, bring your doubts to God. He's a big God. He's a big God. He can handle it. He's not going to wring his hand to, oh, my holy name, what am I going to do? Calling the, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit meeting in an emergency session because you brought up something too big for God. Not, not a problem. So like the psalmist, bring it to him. But let, let's, keep, let's just be honest. If you say, you know what, Pastor, you're right, and I, I need to deal with that, hey, just pray for me. If you're struggling with doubts and you need God to, to breathe a fresh wind, you need God to, would you just raise your hand? Hey, I've got, come on, just raise them up. Just raise them up, hold them up, raise them up. Lightning rods, hold them up. Spirit of the living God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And in humility, Lord, all over all of our campuses this weekend, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have raised their hands and said, I'm struggling with doubts. God, you said if we like wisdom, we could ask for it. You said if we would seek you, we would find you. If we ask, you would open if we knocked, that you would, you would open the door for us. And God, so we're coming saying, would you help us? We're bringing our doubts like the psalmist did. 
And we believe that you're going to give us wisdom, that you're going to walk. God, give us the long look. Give us the eternal perspective, God. Give us, give us the heavenly biblical lens to look through and to grow through. And no matter what hell breaks loose on earth, that we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we can fear no evil for you are with me. You're with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Lord, you lead us beside the still waters. You restore our soul. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Give us the long look in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, give the Lord some praise, would you? Now, now, but some of you say, I, I'm not sure what to do with 6,500, 7,000 people this weekend. There's some people who've yet to bow the knee to King Jesus. Do y'all agree with that? And so I, I just rarely have a weekend that I want to give people an opportunity who want to say yes to Jesus. So if you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, you don't know all the answers. You've been kicking the tires of following Jesus. You've been coming to church and trying to decide which way you're going to go. And you don't, listen, nobody gets saved and knows all the answers. I don't know all the answers. I don't even know all the questions, honestly. I do know I love Jesus. And I do know he changed my heart. And I do know that I'm going to be in with him forever. So if you're ready with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to pray a simple confessional prayer with you. We're going to pray it out loud with you. And so if you're ready to give Jesus your heart and put your faith in him to say, Dear Jesus, I know that we're separated because of my sin. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I invite you into my life. I invite you to take over. I confess you as Lord. I put all my faith in you. I'm going to follow you. From now on, give me insight. Help me with doubts. Help me to live a life that will honor you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, one more time. Let's give him some praise. Wow, what a great God we have. Amen. So again, this series has just been about learning how to think and deal with doubts. Amen. Internet campus, if you guys want to talk to somebody or you've, you made a, a decision or whatever, you can either fill the commitment card out right there. You can go to the chat room. Somebody's waiting for you uh, at Pellissippi. If you want to pray with somebody, there'll be some people down front we dismiss in just a minute. If you gave your heart to Jesus or you need to follow him in baptism or whatever you need, if you'll take the communication card and fill it out and then drop in the offering box on your way out, we'll be in touch with you. Or you can go to the Next Steps area. And there are people there to help you take your next steps. What we do as a family, don't we take our next steps together? And there are people there, are people there that would love to meet with you. And if you, if you want to be a part of the worship team, I see one of our big worship guys rolling right there. Tanner, who's just an extreme. Doesn't, doesn't Tanner do a great job, man? We love him. So glad he's on our staff. But Tanner, if you're at the Pellissippi campus, Tanner and all of our worship leaders will be out. If you want to stop, you'll, find, you'll fill out, find out about Infuse, how you can get involved from worship, singing, computers, all that stuff, everything. They'll be out in the four-year letter to talk with you. Has it been good to be in God's house? Amen. All right. Don't forget, when you leave, by the way, 
Do not hold your tithes and offering another week. Don't hold them another week. Just give faithfully and God will keep blessing. Amen. Heart for the harvest. We love you guys. Be blessed. See you next weekend.